Welcome to the Rock Christian Church Podcast. Today's message is Overcoming the Flesh by Pastor Sean Wood. Father, we thank you that you're in the house today. We thank you for your presence, Holy Spirit. As we open God's word, we do ask that you would open our hearts. Thank you, Lord, for your goodness. Thank you, Lord, for your word does not return to your void. And Lord, we pray that it would accomplish that for which you send it today. In your wonderful name. Amen. If you've got your Bibles, you'd like to meet me in Galatians chapter 5. We'll get there in a moment. Uh, today is the first in our Overcomers series. We have, uh, last year we began uh, Overcomers. It was just me and Ruben overcoming here last year because COVID was overcoming churches meeting together. But we had, it was a good month. And last year we looked at uh, overcoming uh, failure, overcoming temptation, overcoming fear. Uh, this year we're going to look at, today we look at overcoming the flesh. Next week we're going to look at overcoming emptiness. Now it sounds like, uh, does that really apply? But it seems as though more and more uh, many people in and out of church uh, say, you know what, I'm empty. And so uh, one man also came to that conclusion in the Bible, and we'll look at that next week. Then in the last two weeks of Overcomers Month, before we have our healing service, we're going to look at overcoming confusion. And I believe the reason it's two parts is many people go through their Christian walk and spend many years wondering what their purpose is, wondering what the will of God for them is. How do I make wise decisions? How can I hear the voice of God? Should I marry that person? Should I take that job? All of those questions which can cause confusion in our lives. Uh, We're going to take two weeks to look at how we can overcome that, how we can hear the voice of God and make wise decisions. And it's not all about listening to the pastor. Because that's what you were going to say, right? But today I want to look at overcoming the flesh. And this seems to be something, if you're not struggling with this today, then it's possible that you're not aware of the problem. And uh, it was definitely something that uh, filled Paul's writings and it fills the writings in Galatians. Uh, having an AFL background, let me help you as we begin today. Uh, I appreciate you can tell a good coach from a bad coach. You can tell a successful winning team because what happens when the media interviews the coach, often they will say things like, what are you going to do about the other team's free-flowing play? What are you going to do about this player on the other team? And as you build up to the game this week, what are you going to do to counteract this? And good coaches never answer those questions. A good coach will ignore the question and proceed to tell you what they're going to do on Sunday. They will, they will talk about their players They will talk about their style of play and their plan for game day because their focus isn't on what the other team is doing. Good coaches don't focus on the other team. Yes, they're aware, but their focus on game day and their focus in training and their focus is not what the other team is doing, but rather what are we doing? Paul is writing to the Galatians. And he speaks and gives us a clue on how it is that we can live our lives overcoming the flesh. And he urges them to change their focus. It's all about focus. And I think sometimes we put all of our attention 
in the wrong area. Let's give a little bit of context as we come up to Galatians. Uh, Galatians was written by Paul. It's the second in inverted commas, salvation letter. The first one is Romans. And now Paul writes to the Galatians and he begins saying to these guys, how have you gone so far away from the gospel that I gave to you? You know, we brought you the gospel message, but now you guys have have drifted so far away from the gospel that we brought you. What has happened to you guys? And it becomes clear that what has happened is that some Judaizers or, or, or troublemakers, in another sense, have crept into the congregation. Why were they troubled? What's wrong with what's going on here? What they had done was they had sold the Galatians a gospel that sounded like this. You must have Jesus plus. You must have Jesus plus the rabbinical teachings. You must have Jesus plus circumcision. And all the men went, whoa, whoa. You must have Jesus plus the sacrifices. You must have Jesus plus all of our traditions. And Paul says Jesus plus anything equals nothing. But Jesus plus nothing equals everything. And what had happened was these Jewish customs, these rabbinical teachings, these Jewish ways had crept in and they found themselves in religiosity. They found themselves so far away from the gospel. It's beginning to flare up again today. It's, it's interesting how nothing's new under the sun. The writer to Ecclesiastes says there's nothing new under the sun, but it begins to surface again today. We see people clinging on to, uh, let's go back to how the rabbis saw it. Well, you know what? Paul was writing to Titus, one of his key men, and he says, get away from all of these genealogies and these idle discussions and Jewish myths. Why? Because it's distracting you from what's important. It's distracting you from the message of who Jesus is and the reality of the gospel in our lives. And the Galatians had drifted away from grace into religiosity, which looks like we have to do this in our own strength. Paul had a very beautiful message in Galatians. Uh, Who's heard the name Martin Luther? Of course, most of us have. Martin Luther was a 1500s reformer. We need more Martin Luthers, and the church could do with some reforming at times. But Martin Luther came... Uh, He was a guy, as we begin to set the stage, Martin Luther was a guy that would spend six hours in confessional, drove his superiors nuts, because he began to realise, by the time I'm finished confessing everything I've realised, here's everything I just forgot. And he thought that the way that I could be free from my sin is I just got to confess and confess and confess and confess and confess and confess. He drove everybody mad, including himself. He got so deeply depressed, even in later life, that his wife would hide the knives. This was serious for Martin Luther. Until Martin Luther stumbled upon the verse in Galatians that says, we are, saved, we are justified, we are made righteous, we hold a position before God of righteousness, not by anything else but by grace through faith. It's the free gift of God. Revolutionised his life. And he posted 99 objections to the Catholic Church. There are people here this morning that I believe this message is very liberating. Most of us in this room struggle with areas of our flesh, and we'll unpack what that is in a moment. And many of us are trying to conquer it in our own steam and our own strength. And Paul's got a great answer. 
Of course, Galatians chapter 5 in particular speaks about our freedom in Christ. Now, if you're sitting here this morning and you think freedom is uh, I can do what I want, when I want, why I want, how I want, and all of that, that's not freedom. Freedom, as we understand liberty in the gospel, when we talk about Jesus setting us free, you are free now to make a choice. Jesus has given you the freedom to live a new life if you want to. Jesus has given you that freedom. You've been set free, not governed by the sinful nature for the fans of Romans chapter 6. But as we come to Galatians chapter 5, verse 16, it says, but I say, and here's the key verse for today. The key verse is, but I say, walk by the Spirit and you will not, not you may not, not it's possible, Paul makes it clear that if you walk by the Spirit, you will not gratify the desires of the sinful nature or the flesh. We'll get to the second part of that verse in a moment, but let's begin with the first part. Uh, What does it mean for us to walk in the Spirit? One of my heroes in the Old Testament is a man that we know very little about. It's a man by the name of Enoch. Scripture doesn't tell us a lot about Enoch, but tells us something enormously important. Enoch walked with God. And when we unpack that in the Hebrew, what it means is that he kept the pattern and his daily conduct of life in step with God. Some people, uh, often we, we run to and fro looking for the next great preacher or the next revelation that's going to set us free from everything without realizing that walking with God is a daily choice. It's a daily choice. Every morning you wake up, you have to choose, I'm going to walk with God. I'm going to keep my life in step with God. In the Greek, it can mean a a range of things. Walking could mean to live according to, to orientate our lives towards, to, to be open and sensitive to the influence. The biblical leadership is influence. Biblical leadership has nothing to do with position and everything to do with influence. And if we claim that we live our lives led by the Holy Spirit, then what we are actually saying is we live our lives completely influenced by the Holy Spirit. Walking is the pattern and a daily conduct of our lives. One best way to, uh, one commentator summed it up beautifully when he said it's to walk around circumspectly, which means we're considering all circumstances and we're weighing all the consequences. Walk is a daily habitual pattern of our lives. You can be free today, but it's a choice you have to make each and every day. We find that, uh, I remember first place I worked was in a radiator shop. My foreman was a recovering alcoholic, a gross alcoholic. It just affected, it got to the point where it permeated every part of his life. Um, He would he would run out doing deliveries and call into the pub and it really overtook his life. And one day after lunch, he, we had a laneway and he, would, he was walking up, hitting each side of the walls as he's coming up the laneway. And uh, he got shoved into an aeroplane and sent away and he was in rehab for some time and he, he gave it up to his credit. But I can remember the words that he said one morning. He said, you know... Uh, and this applies to all of us, doesn't just apply to alcohol. But he said, you know what? He said, every morning I wake up, I realise I'm still an alcoholic. I just choose not to drink. 
I remember going to his house. I think I've shared this with a couple of people and his wife lived upstairs and he lived downstairs and I'm sitting there talking to him and behind him is the biggest wall I've ever seen of wine. And I said, Wayne, and he says, every day I choose not to drink. He had to make a choice and every day that he wakes up, I make a choice that that's not a part of my life anymore. And for many of us here, we're looking for the one big event. And I know that God can set us free. I know God can zap us in a moment. I don't detract from that. But whatever happens, we have to make a decision. Lord, I'm going to keep my life in step with you and with the Holy Spirit. And what Christ has done is given you the freedom to make that choice. Walking in the Spirit is letting Jesus... Be Jesus in our lives. Paul goes on and says, if we walk by the Spirit, we will not gratify the desires of the sinful flesh. uh, Martin Luther is going to help us out here in a moment. But that word flesh, wherever Paul uses the word flesh, he uses it in Romans, he uses it in other places. He's talking about our sinful nature. And that's everything from your attitudes to your bitterness to your anger, uh, all of those things that come under the banner of our fallen nature. We don't have to allow those things to influence our lives. We are able to overcome. Paul says, if you walk by the Spirit, you're walking in a new power now, you will not gratify the desires of the sinful flesh. That word gratify means to fulfill, it means to finish, or it means to carry out. And many of us are beating ourselves over the head because, you know, we say to ourselves, you don't know some of the thoughts I have, and uh, that's not the problem. I love Martin Luther helped me out immensely with this. Uh, I read a biography on Martin Luther, it's about that thick. But this sentence stuck with me. He says, uh, one of the things that helped him was he realised that we can't stop the birds flying over our head. But we can stop them nesting in our hair. That's why I kept my hair short. (laughs) You know what? You You can't stop the enemy dropping seeds in your life. You can't stop the enemy dropping those thoughts in your life. You can't stop those desires flaring up every now and again. But you do have a choice whether they take hold in your life. Desire speaks of an intense, passionate desire. That's what Jesus, that's what Paul is talking about here. The flesh and the spirit are opposed to each other. I want everybody to know in this room today, you are in a battle every day you open your eyes. You need to realise that we are in a battle. Yes, we wage against spiritual principalities and powers, but our greatest battle often is against ourselves. I want to digress for a moment. I hope this helps some people here today, but... uh, when I was in the forestry, we spent uh, a week uh, learning to fight fires. It was called a fire suppression. And basically the idea was they had such bad fires in Tasmania that they didn't have enough people to fight them. So they said, well, we'll, we'll just train everybody. Interestingly enough, I spent a whole week learning about fire suppression and didn't put a fire out, which was interesting. But what I did learn about fire is about its behaviour. And we have fires in our lives and whatever burns the hottest in your life will be what you give fuel and what you give oxygen. Every fire needs fuel and every fire needs oxygen. And far too many of us give the wrong flames in our lives fuel and oxygen. I'm going to press the pause button for a moment and I'm going to digress for a moment because there's some people here that need to hear a slight digression. 
for those that are in leadership and ministry or just those that are living for Christ, sometimes we give too much oxygen to the flames of the enemy. You know those people that say those comments and those critical comments and all those sorts of things? Uh, It happens to all of us and far too many of us give oxygen to that when we should be giving oxygen and allowing those words to tell us who we are when we should be giving oxygen to some other voices in our lives that tell you who you really are. I hear a lot of people saying, I want to be on fire for God, and I agree with you. If you want to be on fire for God today, the answer is very simple. Start fueling a different fire in your life. This morning in particular, I didn't want to do an ABC, one, two, three, here's the practicalities, but I do want to help you with what you can take away because I want to help you to feed the fires in your life. I want to help you feed the passions and the right desires in your life. And here's how you can do it. Uh, Number one, uh, here's a, for those that are aspiring to leadership, by the way, uh, here's the number one thing is to read and meditate on God's word. Uh, Anybody remember Joshua? Uh, Moses dies, Joshua takes over. Before they go anywhere, God says to, Moses, to Joshua in uh, chapter 1, verse 8, he says, meditate on the word of God. Do not let it depart from your mouth day or night. You see, Israel comes out of Egypt They come through the wilderness. They're about to step on into the promised land. We have a misconception of the promised land. We think it's Mai Tais and Martinis and now Speedos on the beach kind of kicking back. But Joshua knew and God knew the minute you step into that land comes the biggest battles in your life. The minute you cross over the river, you're going to confront Jericho and giants and Tasmanians. You're going to need the Holy Spirit. I'm sorry, John. <laughs> Forgive me. So the first one is to read and meditate in God's Word. John, uh, Joshua 1, verse 8. Psalms 1. Go home and read Psalms 1. It speaks about an evergreen tree, that no matter what the seasons come upon this tree, it never loses its leaves and it never stops budding. It's a tree that is planted by the river. It is speaking about a life that meditates on the Word of God. Meditate is where we don't just read the word of God, but we ponder it. We think about it. We, we allow it to go from here to here. And that pathway is, okay, God, how does this apply to me? Holy Spirit, I need you to drop this from here to here. That's meditation. Number two, sounds very simple, don't they? Is prayer. There is no mistaking why Paul would tell the churches, Pray. He says to the Ephesian church, pray in the spirit on all occasions. That's not praying in tongues. He does use that somewhere else. But he says, praying in tongues is all right too, by the way. But he says, pray in the spirit, led by the spirit, under the influence of the Holy Spirit on all occasions. He writes to the Thessalonians and says, pray without ceasing. You're in a battle. Stop Stop putting your armory down. Everyone goes, pray without ceasing. What, did he not have emails and iPhones back in those days? No, but he had just as many distractions. Like being locked up in prison and not fed. It's not not like the Shangri-La that we have today. The the prisons in Rome, if somebody didn't come and feed you, you didn't eat. They didn't provide for you while you were there. Here's the big one, though. A little bit more on this as we work our way through. I don't know if anybody's read the book, but I would encourage you to. It's called Practicing the Presence of God by uh, Brother Lawrence. 
And what I simply mean by that, without getting too mystical, without swinging from any rafters, what I simply mean by that is that we intentionally turn the focus of all of our lives onto God. Atoza speaks about offering up a thousand thought prayers a day. It's just returning our thoughts back to him. Uh, uh, Brother Lawrence, a monk, says, you know what? Well, I'm peeling potatoes. I can be praying. Well, while I'm driving in the car, I can turn the radio off and I can be praying. When, uh, when I'm in staff meetings on Tuesday, I can zone out. <laughs> what that does, very simple, very practical, but what it does is it creates an atmosphere in your life that is welcoming to the Holy Spirit. And a little bit more on that as we move through, because Paul's got some really important words. Listen to this, verse 17. For the desires of the flesh are against the Spirit. If you want the Spirit to inhabit more of your life, if you want more of the presence of the Holy Spirit, then the, the equation is really simple. You've got to get the sin out. Because there is a conflict. Have a listen to how Paul describes it. He says, for the desires of the flesh are against the Spirit, and the desires of the Spirit are against the flesh. For they are opposed to each other to keep you from doing the things you want to do. Anybody, for those that were here in the Roman series, anybody remember Romans 7? I mean, Paul was about tearing his hair out. The things I want to do, I don't do, but what I don't want to do, I do. What a wretched man I am who will save me from this body of death. Jesus Christ, my Lord. Yeah, he got it right. There was a struggle going on inside of Paul. There's a struggle that goes on inside of us. Who will deliver us from our bodies of death? Jesus. I love that quote that says, Jesus didn't come to make bad people good. He came to make dead people live. Paul goes on and says in verse 18, but if you are led, that's a really powerful word. If you are led by the Spirit, you are not under the law. And this is an amazing verse for the Galatians. Why? Because they're steeped in religiosity. They're they're bound by rules and regulations. They're they're trying to creep the Pharisee back in that says, I can do this in my own strength. And our focus gets on what we're cutting out of our life. Holiness is not about what you cut out of your life. It's about who inhabits your life. I tell you, if the presence of God is in your life, sin is gone. It's out. Paul says, if you are led by the Spirit, you're not under the law. What does it mean to be led by the Spirit, to be influenced by the Spirit? This is the best way that I could, uh, this leading is, you're not subjected. God doesn't drag anybody. The victory does not lie in us overcoming sin. Before you before you get your tomatoes out. I want to repeat that because if you leave here today, you need to leave here with nothing else today than leave here with this sentence that I give you. The victory does not lay in you overcoming sin. The victory lies in Jesus overcoming you. If Jesus overcomes you, the rest is history. You're not under the law. I'm not slogging it away under religious efforts. I remember uh, I was talking to somebody outside of church circles and they said, you know what, Uh, I'm not a very religious person. I said, praise God, neither am I. (laughs) 
religion kills. Jesus came to give us life. Jesus came to set us free. Now, the works of the flesh are evident, and you can read them for yourself later on. But I would like to finish with a sentence that Paul finished with after his big list of drunkenness, orgies, things like these, I warn you as I warned you before. Now, he's talking to Christians here. He's talking to followers of Christ. And you can do with this next verse whatever you please, but he was talking to Christians when he says, those who do such things will not inherit the kingdom of God. Verse 22, but, here comes the contrast. We love buts, Terry, don't we? Particularly when they're in Scripture, and only when they're in Scripture. Verse 22 says, but the fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, and there's no S on the end of that word fruit. This is not, we get one, and then we get another one, or we get them in bits and pieces. No, 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 no. When the Holy Spirit inhabits your life, this is the characteristics. These are the spiritual characteristics that come from a vibrant relationship with the living God in your life. What did Jesus say in John chapter 15? Abide in me. If you abide in me, he says, and my words abide in you. You can't separate the spirit and the word of God. You can't separate those two things. In the beginning, God created, yes, but the Holy Spirit was hovering over the face of the deep and then God spoke and it happened. You know how if I was to speak now and say, turn the lights off, I'd have to walk all the way out there and turn the switch off. So my words and my actions are kind of separate, not with God. God speaks and his actions are the same thing as we see in creation. I want to come down to uh, the last part here But the fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, self-control. Against such things there is no law. Verse 24, and those who belong to Christ. Please put your hand up this morning if you belong to Christ. For those who belong to Christ. I love that word belong. Everyone's looking for somewhere to belong. You found it this morning. And those who belong to Christ Jesus have crucified the flesh with its passions and its desires. What I love about that verse is what Paul didn't say. Paul didn't say, for those that belong to Christ, you now need to go out and crucify your flesh. That's not what he said. No, no, Paul didn't say, now that you belong to Christ, you've got to go out and put everything to death in your life. That's not what Paul said. Tell Jesus I said hello, brother. (laughs) However, what Paul did say is, those who belong to Christ, you have crucified flesh. Back to Joshua and Israel. Joshua chapter 1, verse 3. What does God say to Joshua as they're crossing the Jordan River? He says, everywhere you place the sole of your foot, you will possess it. What are we called to do in Christ Jesus? Place your feet. Take the ground that God has given you. If you think, you, if you think this doesn't mean a fight, of course it means a fight, but you're now fighting in a different power. Israel told the walls of Jericho fell down and not one rock was thrown. <coughs> but they did do what God told them to do. And if you're sitting here this morning, 
I want you to know some of the most freeing news in the book of Galatians is this. You don't have to crucify the flesh because Jesus has already done it. What you have to do is accept it and walk in it. If we walk by the Spirit, we will not gratify the desires of the sinful nature. Change your focus. And many people here will know by now that I used to smoke. I I can remember a doctor saying to me one time, he says, don't tell me that you can't give up smoking. He says, just tell me that you don't want to. I said, okay, I don't want to. The reality was I didn't want to. And I battled with this. I'll tell you now, I battled with this for many years. I battled with it. I, I, I could quite easily have a cigarette any day. I know that might shock some people, but some people in this room today will get it when I say that. Some people go, yeah, I know what you're talking about. But... The reality for me changed when I took my focus off the cigarettes and placed it on God. That's the only time it began to change. I tried everything to give up smoking. I tried everything. I used to tell the guys in forestry, they used to say to me, how can you smoke so much? I said, the reason I smoke so much is the reason you're alive. No cigarettes, six o'clock news. And, and I've, I, I, I've tried all the justifications as well, you know. We, we try to justify everything and all that sort of stuff, and it's all right, you know. Paul never said, thou shalt not smoke, but it doesn't really matter. At the end of the day, whatever is not of faith is sin. That's what Paul did say. And I realised I've got a really big problem here. And whenever you're a passenger, that's what Paul put it, he says, I won't let anything master me. I won't let anything have mastery over me. The minute you become a passenger is the minute you're under the influence of something or somebody else. And you can be a passenger of the words that other people have placed over you. People may have spoken stuff. You can be a passenger to attitudes. You can be a passenger to unforgiveness. You can be a passenger to habits. But I realised that when I changed my focus, I was able to operate in a different power. If you're here this morning and you're thinking to yourself, that means I'm going to go and give up smoking. That's that's not what I'm saying. You let God put his finger on it when he puts his finger on it. Uh, As I bring this to a close, I'm going to ask the worship team to come back. Uh, One of the most important dates, I feel, on the American calendar was September 22nd, 1862. Does anybody know what happened on September 22nd, 1862? Abraham Lincoln signed a paper that declared every African-American person to be free. No more slavery. He signed a paper. It was to take effect on January the 1st, 1863. Praise God for Abraham Lincoln. What a leader, huh? Unbelievable. But he did what was right. But the interesting thing happened after that. Abraham Lincoln signed the paper and effectively, according to law, every slave in America from that moment was free. From the 1st of January, 1863, every slave in America was free. But something really bizarre happened. For many months afterwards, they all stayed in slavery. Very many of the African-Americans at that time stayed in slavery. Because why? Because they allowed people to convince them that it wasn't true. People were saying, no, Abraham Lincoln didn't sign any paper. You're not free. That's not what he said. He had no right to do that. And many of them, not only months, but some of them for a couple of years afterwards, remained under slavery. 
even though Abraham Lincoln had set them free. And many people sitting in this room today remain under slavery when Jesus has set you free. Jesus signed the paper 2,000 years ago that says, if you want to, you can be free. Paul finishes chapter 5 with where I would like to finish it today. Verse 25, he says, if we live by the Spirit, if you were born again, you live by the Spirit. You don't regenerate yourself. He regenerates us by his great grace. If we live by the Spirit, can I urge you this morning? Can I encourage you this morning? Can I challenge you this morning? Let us also walk by the Spirit. I want everybody in this place to know that there is a power that is awaiting you to walk and follow Christ that allows us to live a new life. You don't have to be a slave anymore from this day forward. Let's pray. For freedom, says your word, that Christ has set us free. And that freedom is a freedom to choose you, to choose a relationship with you. Father God, I thank you so much for that. Jesus, we are in debt to your completed work. Thank you so much for what you have done. This freedom is free, but it was never cheap, Jesus, for it cost you everything. I pray that people listening to me today will be set free by your word and by the power of your spirit. I pray, Lord God, that you would teach us and help us to walk in the Spirit. In Jesus' name. Amen. Thanks for listening to the Rock Christian Church podcast. To be notified when the next episode is available, subscribe on our website at therock.org.au. You can also connect with us on Facebook at The Rock Christian Church. We hope you have been blessed today and we look forward to you joining us for our next episode.